What's good, guys? Scooper Dewart here. I just got back from Japan, and I am super excited to talk to you guys about some of the stuff that I explored over there, as well as Black Friday, Cyber Monday, some great deals that are out there right now. And this is not like a paid promotion thing. This is just some of the stuff that I'm super excited about coming into the music world. I mean, it's some of these plugins are kind of blowing my mind. So. First of all, I want to talk a little bit about Japan, I want to talk a little bit about my new recording space and then these plugins, but I'd first like to invite you to subscribe to the podcast and rate it five stars. That really helps get the word out and we are trying to grow this and grow this into the new year, so we really appreciate you, you know, taking that time to spread the podcast, spread the word and rate it five stars if you haven't already. So to Japan. So I was just working with some awesome bands. Um, one is called Bed. Another one is called Brother, Son, Sister, Moon. And of course, Chai, who was just announced as one of Spotify's um, like vanguard artists or something like that. They just had a big billboard put up, digital billboard in um, Times Square. Super excited for them. And I'm really excited about kind of what what's going on in the Tokyo underground scene and what I'm hearing from the music over there. It's, it's interesting. There's a lot more music in Tokyo that's being sung in English. And I think the approach to lyric writing and the approach to influence is very inspiring to me because I think that non-native English speakers approach the language from a different, more like phonetic, less... Um, expected kind of way. So for example, in, in speech, there's just almost like a, a map <laughs> that you're always navigating under. And there's a right turn and a left turn forward um, direction. And each of those is almost like probabilistically rated in terms of which way are you going to go next? It's likely for me to say this after that. And Non-native English speakers don't have that same sense of internalized probability or expectation that maybe a native English speaker would. And I find that really fascinating and somewhat liberating in the context of lyric writing because they're thinking more in terms of vowel shape and overall image than implied pattern or the stuff that you would normally hear. So I'm trying to apply a little bit of that to my own lyric writing and my own just kind of process is how can you use, you know, things like gobbledygook, just nonsense words to free yourself a little bit from the standard expectation of what comes next lyrically. And where do you lean in and push off against those types of ex expectations? And that's a holistic thing that, again, with influence in Japan, they have an entirely different, as every culture does, uh, set of popular music canon, you know, like the, the Western canon, like that kind of idea, but like everybody has their own country, be it folk music or popular music that never really broke out of that country. And I think Japan is really fascinating in that way because, you know, people are discovering things like city pop and other Japanese music that uh, was made in the 80s as a response to Western 80s for the domestic audience. And now you're kind of hearing it and you're going, hey, this sounds very familiar, but very different at the same time. It creates that little emotional aha, like, oh yeah, that, that sounds like what I like, but also 
sounds like nothing I've ever heard before. And that combination is uh, really interesting, especially when you take all of that that is, you know, native in terms of like in your under musical understanding, it's from your history, like of just growing up, the stuff that you heard on the radio, the stuff that your parents listened to. And then you apply it to like, what do I want to make? And you're like, okay, I want to like make rap music or something. And you take all of these unconscious biases in the same way that I was talking about language and you apply it to something else, whether or not you know that you're doing it, you, that's part of you. And collaborating with other people from other cultures ends up melding those things and exposing you to different things and also exposing you to your own fishbowl a little bit. Like, what am I bringing to the table that I take for granted? Some of which is super cool and some of which may not be and might not be appropriate for the situation. And so it's like, it's like understanding that, that I think yields really fascinating, those aha moments for people that's familiar, but different. And moving on, so I've got this uh, recording studio now, and I, hopefully it's sounding a little bit better in here. I finally got my panels up, and I, I had a podcast a little bit ago about building my space and kind of the way that it's all oriented. Um, still not totally done by any means, but I've got about mm, 25% coverage now with acoustic panels. Um, so hopefully a noticeable difference on the microphone. It'll get even more so when I get some more panels and diffusion going on in here. But really the idea of like what I want to impart is talking about different prior priority points in the music creation process. So number one priority point is like what I was talking about with language in Japan, all this stuff, the, the song, the idea, musical idea, you can capture an amazing musical idea in a really bad way and it can still be dope. Um, and might even make it cooler. <laughs> like, like if you like listen to 1920s recordings and stuff like that, or like Delta blues, there is an element of that that is just baked into the recording technique and the fact that it's so bad, <laughs> you know, like it's so bad. It's so good. Um, that, that idea is not really like that you want to record things poorly. It's that if the idea is good enough, it will shine through any medium. It will shine through any weaknesses. So that's where you start. But of course, this is all a feedback loop, especially today with digital music. Like what we are recording, we are then overdubbing. And when you're in the overdubbing process, if you are just layering bad on bad on bad, it is demoralizing. It's really hard to think of the next good idea. And one of the real central strengths that we have in the modern era is the ability to write the song kind of as you go for free. Um, in, in that like Bruce Springsteen used to write songs in the studio, but it costs them hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's a really cool thing to do. It's like, you're playing with the band, you're laying some stuff down, you're, you're reacting to the medium itself rather than just the notes. Cause all of these notes translate differently onto a microphone and translate differently onto a tape machine and all that kind of stuff. You can, now we can do all of that virtually and then react to it and write something evocative on top of it, be a guitar part, synth part, whatever vocal, like writing the entire song. You're able to react to what's actually there rather than what you conceive of it being, or what's just on your acoustic guitar. It's like that extra dimension. So if it sounds bad, it's really demoralizing to find that next kind of step, that layer deeper. So where do you start? You start obviously with the great idea and then you got to make a decent room so that you can transmit that great 
great idea um, or mediocre idea. <laughs> and then, and then that, that room doesn't demoralize you because it's in a decent space. And the more ac acoustically kind of pure or dead the environment, that's when you start to open up the next level of tools. And that's what I wanted to get to with this Black Friday stuff. Because, oh my God, guys, it is potent what we're able to do. And it's funny, like I've got, I've got all these like little problems that I have in my studio, right? I mean, I've got a little bit of a hum on my microphone. I don't know why, you know, I'm, I'm working it out, but like at this, at the end of the day, is it, is it going to be a game changer? Probably not. There's, there's stuff I can do with my tools now to deal with it a little bit. It's the same idea as like just priority on anything. What is going to get you the most bang for your buck? So number one, decent room, decent microphone, cutting out the, the deal breakers, the things that are super hard and just going to drive you crazy trying to get out. It's possible to get like bad reverb sounds out of an audio source, but it's really hard. And it usually degrades the audio at least a little bit. Stuff's getting better though. So anyway, you'd like try and get rid of those, those things that will cause you downstream problems. And then after that, you go, okay, where are the tools? And the coolest tool that I'm seeing is in virtual spaces. So Sound City um, just did a thing with Universal Audio and I, you know, smash that by button. Um, and basically what it is, is it allows you to take a dry recording and put it into Sound City Studios. And this is like, you know, famous recording studio. I've got the same thing for Capital Chambers, so the reverb chamber in Capital, um, Hitsville, which is the Detroit um, Motown spot. And basically what I'm doing is I'm, I'm leveraging the fact that my studio is fairly dry. It's not perfectly dry. It was fairly dry and it'll get drier. And then I'm able to use the digital processing to transform it. And for the price of, you know, I think I spent 50 bucks on the plugin. For 50 bucks, I have access, unlimited access, 24-7 to 90% as good as actually getting the studio and recording there. Does that 10% matter? Of course it does, but there's other tools that I can use to get it even closer, you know? Virtual tape machines, uh, blending. And the coolest thing that I can do, and this is what I couldn't have done if I was in the actual studio, is I can use a mix knob and blend and turn things on and off so that I can snap in between like my whole thing, lo-fi, hi-fi, wi-fi. I can snap between those three things in different sections. So say I have a perfectly dry drum kit that I'm playing and I record it. I can have it perfectly dry in the verses, really tight, small bedroom vibes. And then the pre-chorus, like what if I start blending in a little bit of a professional studio so that when you get to the chorus, it's full on the professional studio. But you can hear the A to B transition. And that's like crazy magic. Think about what you would have to do to do that in like the real quote unquote world, the old school world. You'd have to record two drum parts, identical drum parts, like to the T, which would be already super, super hard to pull off, and then blend from one to the next. That's where you know chamber reverb comes in, but I can do that too. And I can I can do all of that in tandem. So I can have some chamber blending in, I can have some like just standard room tone blending in, and then I can have it snap all away, go perfectly dry. In like digital precision, in a way that I would need 15 different hands all turning knobs. No. Automate it all, control it all. And you can set cool stuff like LFOs or whatever to, to turn these tools that are very straightforward, 
take your audio, put it into a different space. But then you can turn it more musical, like an LFO, which is a oscillator. You can you can change it so that the reverb is coming in and out, in and out, in like a weird, crazy way. Or I can run that reverb into a new tool that I just saw. It might have been out for a while, but it's an emulation of a rotary speaker. So a Leslie speaker, you might know, is the thing that you know the Beatles innovated to use in Jeff Hemrick on uh, vocals. And so you would, you'd normally would take an organ in it and it goes, it's a, it's a literal speaker that spins around in a cabinet and you put a microphone on it and you hear it in the same way that if you were like swinging the microphone around in circles, it's, I'm coming in and out, you know, that kind of thing. Um, there's a, you know, very good digital model of that by Universal Audio as well. So I can take my dry signal. I can run it in to Sound City. And then I can also run it into capital chambers. Then I can run all of that in to a rotary. I mean, come on. That's stuff that would take so long to pull off in the real world. And I can just try it, see if I like it, print it, done. And then mangle it. Like that, then the fun thing is that like now you can do all the stuff that sounds like the real world, right? The, the approximation and the access to things that I would never have had access to because it just simply would have been too expensive. But then you can take that stuff and you can run it into like, what, what was the plugin called? I think it's called Morph um, by Zynaptic. Have you seen those, have you seen those things that uh, morph one face to another? It's like using AI, so it, it face shifts somebody to the next, like all the presidents going from one to the other. Um, or just like a morph cut is like the basic, most simple thing in, in Premiere or After Effects where it just, you like, instead of fading in from one to the next, you morph from one to the next. And so if it, it works better on like a um, a similar looking shape, but it, it, AI does its best to turn one into two. They got that for audio now. It's crazy. Uh, and... I am freaking out because like in the beginning, I used to use this thing called formant shifting. And by in the beginning, I mean like years ago, like not that many years ago. Um, but basically what formant is, is it's the idea of like um, mouth vowels, more or less. So instead of saying everything like I am right now, I'm going to say it all through an new sound and it kind of sounds like this. Or I'm going to say it all through an E sound and it kind of sounds like this. You know, that's morphing um, through formants. So now you can do that, but then also morph from one sound to the next, an A to a B. And you can create, what do they call it? Characteristics of both A and B, like a circle gradually turning into a square. Singing guitars, dogs that speak, or symbols made out, made out of hum. The choices are endless. It's crazy. It's crazy the stuff that I can do. So at the same time, we are progressing in both of the hyper-realistic and the hyper-unrealistic. And those tools are blowing my mind. And I'm loving it. There's a bunch of stuff. It's on, it's on Black Friday sale right now if you guys want to do it. Um, and if, if you're not like, no worries, like maybe you don't, maybe you don't make this stuff, but I am, uh, I'm exploring it heavily and getting a lot of these things for like 50 bucks, 80 bucks that simply didn't exist. Like even like a week ago, you know, some of this stuff just dropped and it is re-establishing 
kind of like tools that we've always had in a digital space. It's like reapproaching them. So instead of a fade in, fade out, you have a morph cut. But like, what's next? What's after that? And that's where the conversation that I'm going to have next week is uh, comes in. So I chatted with Riley Knapp, who's my mastering engineer. He's also a CEO of a really cool AI company that is doing AI the right way. And some of these tools are doing AI the right way, in my humble opinion, um, where it's taking these algorithms and these advanced kind of, I like, I like looking at AI in terms of how can it react, you know, like AI does unexpected things on its unexpectedly. Um, and that rather than an algorithm does, does expected things expectedly and allowing that room for like, the, for example, I'm trying out a de-esser. Um, what de-essers are is a de-esses. It takes away S's. And what that is, is um, usually it's like a little tiny uh, reactive EQ. It hears 7,000 hertz, 7 kilohertz up there, and it uh, gets rid of it reactively. They've got new stuff that does it with AI. And so what it's trying to do is it's like looking at it and saying, does this look like the family of S's that I've been trained on? If so, I will approach it in this way that has been deemed to be most musical by the people that train the data. It's cool. That's a cool way to do it. Instead of just like the boring, like little dynamic EQ, let's, let's think about it in terms of the platonic ideal of what an S should sound like and then let the computer do its thing. It saves me time. Helps the listener enjoy music more. Awesome. Adaptive Verb is another really cool plugin that I'm trying, but also by Zynaptic, um, which is a company I just heard about. They uh, they reapproach reverb from so reverb typically you're in a room and there's reflections. That's reverb. There's a series of early reflections, late reflections. They sum it up. It goes around your head, creates the impression of space. They somehow built this thing without any reflections. I don't even really understand how it works, but it sounds really cool. And so who am I to say, you know, I'm not the engineer. I just get the tools and I try and figure out ways to use them and evaluate them and see like, could they work into my workflow? And having a reverb that doesn't sound like human space that is purely digital, uh, that's attractive to me because that means I can make music that sounds like nothing that's ever come before. And then combine that with some really great plugins, uh, you know, by uh, Waves, the old school company. They made one called Magma Springs, I think, that I'm, I've been all over. And uh, it's got really great spring reverb. It sounds like a 1950s guitar amp. And so, like, the magic of a recorded in a room uh, tambourine, you know, one of the oldest instruments there are in the world, a tambourine. Ancient Egypt used tambourines. Run through a 1950s style spring reverb alongside a guitar that is going into a reverb that's never existed before, that isn't actually a model of physical space, alongside a drum kit that alternates between being in a perfectly dry bedroom-style environment to a multi-million dollar recording studio, the drop of a dime, with all of it being able to be morphed in and out of another song. It's crazy, crazy stuff. It's the blending of old and new at your fingertips in a way that we've never had before. And also, like, I've never had the processing power that I have now. And it's just a laptop. It's not like I've got some big external thing. I've, like, I'm finally able to run more native stuff on my laptop. Like, it used to have to be on external DSP digital processing um, units. 
they're letting me finally use it all on my laptop. I've yet to run into any sort of errors or anything like that. I've got the M1 Pro. Um, it's not even the latest. And I've never had tools like this. I've never had access like this. I'm so thrilled to make music with it. And I'm so excited to see what comes next. I know that like a lot of this AI stuff is scary, but that's, that's part of what I'm going to talk with Riley about next week is how do we actually turn this into good? And this is it. Give me the tools. Give me the op options. And then eventually automate out some of the crappy workflow because I'm still having to do it. How, how do you save me time and save other creators time so that we can make more stuff? And then you guys can enjoy more things. It can be more gradients of emotions. And so that's my Japan studio and Black Friday um, update here. I hope, I hope you got some interesting things out of it. And I hope that, I don't know, as you, as you approach music in this new year, I hope you start to hear some of these things. Where it's like, I've never heard anything like that before. Because if you write a classic song, again, it doesn't really matter how it's being recorded. But you can access different parts of your brain and your soul reactively. Like, I'm going to play different guitar parts than I've ever played before in these new tools. It's just going to bring something out of me. I know it will. I'm going to sing different lyrics into that reverb. Just going to happen. No choice. It's like walking into a different room. Do you notice that you talk differently? Shifting between the hallway and the elevator? Or how like a pastor talks in a big church versus how they talk to you after the service. It's that natural, just adapt, adaption. You know, you like adapt to that environment and you do so musically. You do so on a different guitar, you do so in a different space and accessing these spaces that have never before existed and do not exist outside of a computer will allow us to access different places creatively and artistically. And I think that it will be the perfect medium and venue to talk about the modern world problems. But yeah, it, definitely uh, subscribe to the pod and check out next week. We're going to be talking with Riley about um, how he's using AI for good, how he's also battling with AI for mastering because he's a mastering engineer and there's a bunch of AI mastering tools. And so he's done these shootouts for clients and stuff like that. It's a super fascinating conversation. Uh, it's actually a two-parter. So I hope you enjoy that. And once again, thank you for listening. Um, feel free to share the pod with your friends. Subscribe, five stars, all of that stuff. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a great holiday season. I'll be checking in again very soon.